All right, everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of the Media Buyer's Manual. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and I am joined with another co-host of mine, Gordon Leslie. Gord, introduce yourself to the world. What's up, guys? My name's Gordon. I live in Toronto. Um, Kevin and I have been working together for a little while now. I own an agency called Client Magnet, uh, specifically focused on performance marketing, work with um, some of the I would say fastest growing companies in uh, Canada for sure. Some maybe in the U.S. Uh, we manage def- probably around ten million dollars a year in ad spend, specifically on like Facebook and um, Google AdWords. But we do you know anywhere someone's attention is, we typically go. So we've got experience with lots of different platforms, um, and yeah, so lots of different types of brands as well. Awesome, awesome. And Matt, uh, just let the world know who you are, what you've done, and uh, we'll, we'll kick it on from there. Hey, my name is Matt Lady. Yes, it's pronounced Lady, not Lottie. Um, so that's that. That's how that is pronounced. I got a got destroyed for that when I was a kid. Um, it was not fun growing up having that last name. Uh, but since I've grown up and I am now six four and a large ginger, uh, people don't really give me shit for it and like make fun of me. So um, it's mostly cool because they're like, "Oh, Mr. Lady." Anyway, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area in California. Went up to Sacramento for the last seven years, and I'm back in the Bay Area the last six or so months now. And so I've been in digital marketing the last four years, but most recently, the last, I'd say, honestly, seven or eight months, I've been now ingrained into just e-commerce, direct response, kind of advertising on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, getting into email marketing more and more with Klaviyo. Um, And I worked with... Uh, not quite as large of clients as you guys uh, in Client Magnet, um, but uh, generally direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands uh, of different sizes and different verticals. Awesome, awesome. So in terms of Facebook ads and, and all that, um, you work with mainly D2C and like e-com brands. Um, just like ballpark, like what, what's the average spend that you're kind of dealing with um, for some of your clients, just for our listeners? Yeah. So for context, again, this is my sixth or seventh month or so um, in e-commerce specifically. So I've, I started off with a client spending literally $200 over Black Friday weekend. And they were, oh, wow. a, they were a, a small apparel local shop in uh, Sacramento. And they, 200 for them was a big deal because mm-hmm. they're used to just clicking boost post and yeah. not seeing a return <laughs> from it. And so I was like, no, 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 there's a different way to do it. And then I showed them, got... 5x return like or whatever and they're like whoa cool and then so that was kind of my first real freelance e-commerce client and I'm they're still with me today they went from 200 in that weekend up to 2000 2500 now nice um so a month so i mean and then so generally clients now are though are between that 5k and 20k mark um i'm i'm scaling one client right now the fastest and my largest growing um, up to hopefully today is 2.5k. So in six months, um, did you say a day? Yeah, a day. So nice. within six months, I went. My first client was 200 for in a month. Yeah, and then now I'm at 2.5k in a day. So that was kind of a cool, like that. That's more it's than, rapid growth. Yeah. So again, not not huge huge budgets for um, some people listening or some people even on like the, the on the show with us, but. Uh, it's all contextual, and um, so I'm happy with where I'm growing and going. I love it. Yeah, that, that's that's really good. Going from 
200 bucks or so even honestly like even just getting a return off of 200 bucks is impressive um like that's that that can be hard especially if you're most i'm assuming at that stage you were kind of like tinkering with facebook ads and like you you still need to test and like know what to do and so starting with 200 and getting returns pretty good yeah so with that uh, i've been in facebook ads at uh, i worked at two different marketing agencies before one was more public affairs like political stuff um so it was more ballot initiatives propositions candidates so uh, a, lo- a lot of spend and different variations and but not direct response where it's like money in money out it's yeah. like reach and awareness and voter like activity yeah. on a website so i have some was had some working facebook knowledge just wasn't the direct response like performance base that we're now awesome. yeah absolutely so in terms of like the political campaigns that you kind of ran like um how much are they spending on those and it's all like brand awareness like top of funnel i guess yeah so we again this agency had like small and large clients but some of the statewide ballot propositions um that we ran like during the main main year elections like 2016 um for california like we were trying to spend a million in a day like was one of the that's higher ones and like my job because i was like a entry-level employee at the time my job was to just help track how much we were spending that day like we had they they they, we had to talk to facebook reps and open up like 20 ad accounts just to get enough spend through like and like all the different credit cards and like prepay like we tried to prepay that much because the clients just like we need to spend this so that was kind of nuts but um that's that's crazy that's kind of scary too eh? like imagine you were on the hook of uh, managing the results of a million bucks a day yeah that was that was really scary dude um and i was just like kind of new still and so uh and then ma- trying to manage the comments on those political ads dude is 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 quite insane yeah, good as luck. well yeah so yeah we, we also try to do comment like sentiment based on like the responses so it's like that's like that's cool it's cool, right? But it was very manual and like intense and like screenshots and responding to those comments too. So uh, just really interesting, different different space, didn't enjoy it, but learned a crap ton in two years. And then went on to a different agency for a year and a half that was more uh, traditional marketing agency that just recently added digital to the sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's higher education, nonprofits, community organizations. So not quite direct response, some lead generation, but again, that community like and brand awareness kind of thing. So um, no real direct response uh, experience until I kind of went off on my own. Hmm. So in terms of like going into the direct response route, um, when you started, you said you like you went with 200 bucks for your first client. What kind of structures did you kind of use in your ad account that helped you scale from the $200 in that month to now spending like 2,500 in a day? Yeah. So, um, to clarify that client, uh, is not the same one. Okay. Sorry. sorry. And a hundred day. Yeah. But my, me personally, I do now have a separate client that is spending 2,500 in that day in a day right now. So for my personal growth between like the first day and then the yeah. six months. Yeah. So they're at around 2,500 in a month. So compared to 200 in that first month. So really just basic, start at the bottom, got the dynamic product ads going, got the catalog in there, 
capturing retargeting because they had site traffic they have 20 30k followers on facebook and instagram so a decent amount of people um just organic reach is going down over time so um they didn't really send emails they had a bunch of emails didn't send them out so i helped them with some emails too so start at the bottom dynamic product ads basic stuff then some added on some retargeting and middle of funnel stuff um catch engagement past engagement for like a year to tr make sure that you could track the boosted post efforts yeah basically uh what you're doing there with middle of funnel stuff and then eventually now recently i've been actually doing more top of funnel um and again it's the brand is um kind of branded to california so i am just uh staying in california for now mm. and and seeing a lot better returns that way unreal unreal so like in terms of kind of how you describe that like I do the complete polar opposite from what you do. And that's like the crazy aspect about Facebook um, and doing, dealing with ads and stuff like that. There's so many different ways that you kind of pretty much cut the same cake, I guess. Um, and like, from what I do, we do like personally top of funnel and then I'll do the middle of funnel and then I'll do the bottom of funnel or I'll just do top of funnel and bottom of funnel. Um, but like, it's crazy to know that so many people can do so many different things, different ways. Like in every episode so far, we've had a different method. Um, so in terms of like how you have your structure, are you running a lot of CBOs? Are you doing, uh, ABOs? And then what kind of like, um, bidding are you using? Are you using bid caps, lowest cost, like anything like that? Kind of walk through us the technicalities of them. Yeah. So now it's really interesting. And, um, I'm going to comment quickly first about since I've been starting out and I'm kind of new still to the game of like how I learned mm -hmm. is that. There's shiny object syndrome, especially when you're on Twitter and listening to all these different podcasts, which is how I learned. Buy this course, learn this tactic. This is the, the scaling method, a proprietary thing. And it's like, I'm like, no, you just have to like pick one source and learn from it and iterate off that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's a uh, good that, point. That, that's like a really good point for a lot of people because it's so true. You can, you can go down the rabbit hole of so many different things and one thing contradicts the next strategy and you end up getting confused and frustrated and lost. But if you focus just on, you know, one thing, there's, there's a lot of things people do that are right and they don't necessarily, they aren't the same as everyone. Um, like there's many ways to run ads essentially. So I like yeah, that advice. Totally. And yeah, that, I thought it'd be helpful to anyone listening that's kind of just starting out or getting back into it or whatever. Um, neither me or Kevin are wrong. It's just whatever works in that instance for that client in that situation. Exactly. Every ad account is different. Yep. And different audiences, different, you have different creatives, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and like every, it could be five year old brand and they have a ton of other traffic, which was, was this case. Right. So it's not someone just starting off from zero. Yeah. And so I was like trying to capture that traffic, like they already getting. So it worked out for me, but like, if someone just starting off, you obviously need more top of funnel. So like in that case, your, your approach probably makes way more sense. So there's no right or wrong, uh, in a lot of cases, sometimes sure. there's straight up bad things to do, like putting, I think putting prospecting and remarketing in the same ad set. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, I think that's like a golden rule that almost everyone can agree on. Yeah. Yeah. I um, hundred uh, percent with you on that one. And then in terms of like the CBO versus ABO, what do yeah. you kind of prefer? Yeah. So I've been a recent convert to CBO. Uh, I was trying to get ready for it cause it was supposed to roll out officially and <laughs> yeah. like wipe us all out. And, uh, 
and everyone's careers, but like CBO hasn't officially rolled out yet. You can still do ABO as of this recording. Um, but I've been doing mostly CBO. Um, I'm kind of letting Facebook take a little more control of the reins. Um, I used to be I, pretty I personally go back and forth yeah. like a lot. Um, CBOs. So here's a golden nugget for anyone that like is doing Facebook ads, starting Facebook ads is anytime Facebook rolls something out new, don't touch it. It's usually garbage until a bunch of people have done it. And then you can roll like, and then start using it. So CBOs as an example, when they first came out, were horrible. It was just kind of a waste of money because they would optimize spend essentially on things that didn't really matter. As an example, like, um, I personally don't care what the cost per click is if the cost per acquisition is good. So if I have really good cost per click on a campaign that doesn't have any sales, but I have a really high cost per click that does have sales, I know that the audience is probably pretty good on the one that has sales, but I need to fix the creative. Uh, but Facebook will spend early days of CBO would start to optimize the spend for the ones that had like low cost per click, but no actual conversion on what I was trying to do. Yep, exactly. Stuff like that. Or, and it still is a little bit like this of if the audience size is super large versus a super small one, yeah. it'll just go to the large one, even if it's not getting your results, um, stuff like that. So I agree with you on that. Um, but mostly, like I said, mostly CBO now, um, been, I'm I'm not on all the way over on team uh, traffic campaign objectives, but um, <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> um, I am have been having a lot of success with the consolidated structure, where you group prospecting ad sets with retargeting ad sets in the same CBO, oh. and it's mm -hmm. very specific for that skew or that subcategory, so that those people in that cost cap getting to the bidding question is relevant to that product or those general products because this makeup brand has $6 lipsticks. That's a different audience person bid than they are $29 palettes, mm -hmm. right? So it's hard to put those in the same campaign. And as I'm scaling this account, we're able to break those out even more and give them enough budget to yeah. kind of grow on their own now, right? It's not just ah, like put all these six different ads, six different products in one thing and kind of let it go. Um, so definitely the consolidated structure right now, CBO with, uh, cost caps I've been finding. Mm. Um, and I'm still doing some lower cost, uh, lowest cost with, um, DPAs or remarketing sometimes. Um, but generally cost cap. Okay. And then in terms of the cost cap, are you doing it like two times the CAC that you want or the desired CPA or like, what's your kind of method for that? Yeah. So how I, how I learned in, um, the information I gathered was actually starting at at your goal CPA or your target CPA. Um, and again, that you there's sometimes spend problems, and that could be the cost cap. It could be your creative, and because Facebook's telling you your creative and the audience isn't matching up, or the landing page is just horrible experience. Like there's a few different things they look at, so it's not necessarily just increase your cost cap. It could be try a different uh, creative angle, an image or a video, like different styles, right? And I'm not saying green background versus red. Versus yeah, green. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like vastly different things to try to get the creative uh, aligning better before you raise your cost cap or fixing some experience on your, web, your landing page, right? So. Okay, that's uh, actually really good to know. Cause like personally, I, I always just kind of would just increase the cost cap, but like, 
there's other var variables that you're taking into account for sure, which is actually really good. And then in terms of what you said before about kind of putting uh, retargeting and prospecting together in a CBO, what other kind of audiences have you found recently that are working great? Like, um, like Nick Shackelford on Twitter posted about the stacks. Um, even before that, we were kind of doing some interest stacking in mm -hmm. different accounts. And then we saw that. And then Gord actually sent me over um, some kind of uh, like man not manual, but field guide for another thing. And this guy was running the same kind of stack process. So I'm just like in the last week, I've just been overwhelmed by the stack. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Are you using stacked uh, LLAs? And like, what, what's going on for that for you? I'm stacking on stacks on stacks, man. Um, we got, we got, in, I have an interest stack. I got a lookalike stack going. So, and then like you kind of alluded to earlier, some clients, you don't even have middle funnel. You just have top and bottom. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of lumping middle and bottom into that remarketing for that specific skew or subcategory. So that, uh, and then having a DPA running along the other side to kind of okay. catch all. So it's like, if someone engaged or watched or whatever this lipstick ad or visited that page on the website, then they will let it later get a remarketing ad for that lipstick. That isn't necessarily just that standard DPA, right? Like yeah. that the carousel that everyone sees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't like lately, sometimes my DPAs have been really bad. And I'm like, wait, these are always so consistent and like great returns. But um, it's kind of interesting to try the, kind of more standard image or video ad for that remarketing bit. Hmm. Okay. And then in terms of your creative, like, have you been, do you do like a lot of educational videos to kind of indoctrinate cold audiences into your um, like brand and the problem awareness and stuff like that? And then a second question on top of that, um, do you find video is better than image or image better than video? Two really great questions and there's a lot of nuance and it depends and we'll get, I'll try to get, get to both of them. Yep. Um, the first question about education and informing the cold traffic audiences more about my products, it depends on the client. So women's makeup, they kind of know, they kind of know what it is. It's yeah. like, they just want to see it. They want to see it on like one of the top performing videos for this client that's scaling to the moon for me right now uh is just the lipsticks and i'm i'm showing them on video but the, you guys can't see it it's <laughs> someone putting the lipsticks on their arm and just showing the different shades and colors and then putting soap and water over the arm and showing it not rubbing out and like oh. washing away right so that is showing the quality of it like not it's not uh getting yeah. washed away you know like yeah. throughout the day so that one's there's no words like nothing even pops up. It's just her showing you that it doesn't wipe away. It's so simple, but it's crushing. So I don't know if I could do that for my men's cosmetics product though. Yeah. That is like this concealer tool of like for men specifically, like you have to kind of get guys heads around girls care about your skin and you should care about your skin too. Look good, feel good, etc. This is why you need a concealer. So just those just juxtaposition between women's makeup and men's makeup, same vertical, just different gender, mm -hmm. two different approaches. And so also it, just to add, tie in that image versus video question, girl, women's makeup images sometimes just as great as video, um, especially like in remarketing, if they saw that video yeah. and then saw a different image later, um, even top of the funnel, like images, it's, it's, you just need to test. 
and give Facebook options to then serve the best one, I think. But now on the men, back on the men's makeup side, I've recently, it's been struggling, like just big time, and tried a bunch of different videos and UGC, professional ones. My, I did a selfie one and like putting on the like thing. This super basic brown background, two products on it, top performing ad copy from a year ago, added four Zoom calls and FaceTime dates on it, <laughs> like trying to message the moment. That's all I did. And that one is finally clicking. And so I just want to like say you have to keep testing and there's no one right way to do it no matter what. For sure. And another golden nugget that people kind of pick up on, the last thing you kind of mentioned there was something that worked a year ago that worked in a different season and then kind of bring it, the message to the moment, come into the zeitgeist that's happening right now. Like for one of our clients, uh, Bespoke Suit Tailor, I literally, the seasonality, I take the ad from last year, reposition it for this year, and boom, voila, it works great. So just try that if you ever have like struggles, guys. Um, that's something that I kind of just the lazy, the ways, the lazy way out, essentially what I did and it worked. Um, if it doesn't work, obviously you're going to test different iterations and stuff, but yeah, that was just a golden nugget that I found. Like, cause at first I always thought, Oh yeah, I should always just try to do something new. No, don't break. Don't broke. If it's not, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like that's really what I'm trying to spit out here that I can't. Um, but yeah, that's really what I wanted to mention there. And then in terms of like your daily spend, um, for top of funnel versus bottom of funnel, do you have like a recommended percent, like spend 60% top of funnel and 40% bottom of funnel, like stuff like that. I know a lot of people do 70, 30, but like just your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first started before this whole consolidated structure thing came to be about, uh, when I was learning on my own through podcasts and courses and free content and groups is generally 70, 30 generally, and depending mm -hmm. on the number of other channels or traffic going on from the clients, right? So generally 70, 30, but now with this consolidated structure where you put them all in the same CBO, you kind of say, Facebook, do your thing. I don't really care what percentage it gets daily yeah. as long as you're getting me the performance and result back. Like spend 60% on retargeting today and only 10% next day. In theory, it's finding the lowest hanging fruit each day and so far, for most instances, uh, that structure has been working for me at this lower level of spend. That may, I'm saying lower level for me and like compared to everyone. So it's like all relative, but it's like, that's working. So, mm -hmm. but um, maybe ABO and just doing 70, 30, it might be working too. But um, again, you have to test and find out by yeah. each account. Yeah. yeah. Finding out for yourself is always the best measure. Don't take somebody else's word. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in terms of like, just how did you get about learning Facebook ads? Like you said, you got into it six, seven months ago, um, other than for that's mainly for like direct response marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, but how did you get to learn? And like, what, what would you kind of suggest people kind of to do to learn even better and kind of expedite their learning? Yeah. So uh, again, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but it's like find a source or person that you seem to respect and that doesn't seem to bullshit you and stick with them and kind of learn from them. And for me, uh, starting back to last year, 2019, like February or so, January, February, 2019, was the e-commerce e influence podcast that mm -hmm. Austin Bronner and uh, Andrew Foxwell co-host. And those guys have been awesome. And I've bought courses from Andrew. I'm in 
uh, Austin's uh, brand growth experts, the coalition group. And uh, I found out through, through those two, David Herman and yeah. bugged him and asked questions and followed him on Twitter and liked every comment, asked a question, every tweet, didn't ever bug him for a direct message of his time. Um, and picking his brain. I know he just posted about that. Yeah. that. Um, but like, so I picked a few guys that seem smart experience, but not guru and like guaranteed anything. So those were kind of my attributes or traits I was kind of looking for in someone and just listen to the content and try to apply it. Yeah. So that, that was a year plus ago. That was before I started e-commerce. So I started learning about it before I even left my agency job. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to apply some of the tactics to my current client campaigns for Legion or uh, the brand awareness stuff. And then finally, uh, just continuing to pick those the right people to pay for access or education for too, right? Um, there's only so much free content we can do. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, like I mentioned, Twitter has been amazing. Like it was crazy. Like I, I had like 85 followers like the, uh, a year ago. And now, I don't know, 600, 630 or something. I'm not saying it's a lot, but like I'm new. I'm still learning, still growing. And just people are so willing to change, exchange that information. Like you said, Nick, Nick Shackelford with his stacks and that went crazy. Mm -hmm. And I saw it in a bunch of other Facebook groups, like everyone talking about the stacks and yeah. how they do it. Uh, it's just so curious and so cool how people are willing to try to basically help each other. And like, there's plenty of room to go around. Like no one's... Yeah most people aren't worried about their proprietary method. Yeah. Right? If you're so, good enough, like usually you can retain your clients and you'll be fine. And nobody's going to poach your clients that I've like met on Twitter. Everybody's pretty good and like really nice. Like you said, willing to help and all that stuff. So like definitely um, if you guys want find Matt on Twitter, uh, plug your handle if you really want. Matt lady digital. <laughs> uh, and Gord, are you on Twitter at all? I don't even know. Not really. Um, like I, I'm on it, but I'm not, I, I don't, like I'm not active in the sense of like tweeting out and, and Fair. talking like in getting involved, but I do like look through Twitter. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, it's one of those platforms I just never got into, but recently I've just like been on it and mm -hmm. find it interesting. I just genuinely have no idea how to use it. Fair, fair, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and also, Gord, I wanted to ask you a question um, because, like, you started out in a, a very unique way of running ads. You actually, like, started running ads for your own e-com, like, drop shipping business. Um, yeah. Can, can you just, like, give a brief kind of explanation of what you did and, and how it went for you? Because I found this absolutely fascinating because, like, you're actually one of the people that I actually met in real life that has done drop shipping successfully so like i just wanted to hear a little bit about that yeah so uh the reason i got into ads i was always a sales rep um typically with early stage uh tech companies and the last company i was at i was the only rep at the time and it was there was zero inbound happening so it was very much uh cold calling cold emailing all day every day and kind of just hunting to get sales and supporting the company really and it became very draining and tiring and uh i was getting burnt out so i wanted to figure out how okay how can i go generate leads so i was kind of at this crossroads of looking at google adwords and then looking at facebook and i was like 
I'm going to try Facebook because Facebook was newer. It was shinier. I'm like, I'm going to try that. Um, and the way I started to learn was uh, the company wasn't going to let me do this because I wasn't in marketing at the time. I was in sales. So I was like, okay, I'll just take some of my paycheck, start a Shopify drop shipping store, and then test out a ton of products and just see how it goes. So the first store failed absolutely miserably. Second store was pretty close, if not break even. And then the third store within like the first three weeks, I would say, was at like $30,000 in revenue. And I was like, whoa, I figured something out. Um, and then I ran with that and grew that store uh, for a little while. And then um, Facebook started to crack down on certain products. So at that time, I, I was just kind of, I was drop shipping a lot of different things, but uh, what ended up happening is I had like one or two really winning products that it were essentially movie memorabilia, which I didn't really realize. Like, um, uh, I was naive to the fact that, Oh, I can't advertise this cause it's copyright. So, um, I got a, my account got banned on Facebook and I was like, Oh, okay. So I guess that's how that stuff works. And then from there, I ended up quitting my job and, uh, cause I was making more money doing drop shipping. And then I, had um, people from the tech world in Toronto here reach out to me because I used to work with them or I knew them and they wanted me to help them with their ads for their company. And then that's when I caught into like more B2B. I do B2C a lot, but got into B2B and then realized I was pretty good at ads compared to, I think I'm pretty good at sales, but um, I enjoyed the marketing side more. And then one thing led to another, started freelancing, getting a handful of clients. And then I met, um, I knew my business partner, Adam from, years and years and years ago but more as like a he was a friend of a friend mm -hmm. and uh i joined a co-working space saw him there randomly and then didn't even realize he was into ads but he was on the google side of things and affiliate marketing and stuff and i just referred him someone that i was working with that needed google ads and then it just organically kept happening going back and forth and then we just ended up teaming up and starting client magnet and uh yeah, that's kind of it. We like the biggest thing I could, the biggest recommendation for anyone running, starting or interested in running ads is do it on your own dollar first because mm -hmm. you'll figure it out a lot faster when you give a shit if you're losing your own money. So true. So true. And one Very thing that I've actually like really admired about like working with you guys is that you treat every dollar as if, as if it's your own. And even if it's a client that's spending a lot more than, what I would consider my own dollar. Um, but yeah, like I really like that about you guys. And then also the fact that like you, I've learned so much off you Gord. So like, I figured you'd be a great person to have on, on the podcast and kind of share your story as well. And like, um, you just, did you just like learn off YouTube essentially? Yeah. A lot of YouTube. Um, I, I think I might've bought a few courses, but they were, I find I, so when a new course or a hyped up course comes out, I'll typically buy it strictly to see if there's anything in it that's interesting. And what mm -hmm. ends up happening is almost every course you'll learn something from. There's a lot of fluff in a lot of them. And if you look past like the, hey, this is how you're going to make X amount of dollars and you look past all that shit and you just look for the strategies. Um, but then what I started doing is like looking at competitors and stuff and looking at, this is before Facebook ads library was around. Mm -hmm. um, so you're using like spy tools and stuff like that. So I was looking at like what creatives are people using? Um, 
I'd go to their store. I'd find like the most popular Shopify stores. I forget how to do it now, but there was a way to just do a quick Google search with like the, the top Shopify stores by traffic. And then um, YouTube and then literally trial and error, like just testing and testing and testing things on my own. Um, it's, it, you know, I spent a shit ton of money doing that. Like out of that store that ended up doing 30K, I probably spent, you know, 20, 30K up mm-hmm. to that point trying to figure it out um before that store came out so it's a lot of trial and error um people think they're going to set up an ad and it's going to work right away and then they get demotivated it's just um like matt was saying earlier a lot of stuff comes back to testing testing a video versus an image and just because video is popular right now it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to convert better in a certain campaign mm-hmm. uh it's all data look at what's working and then iterate yeah no, exactly. Uh, and then also something I just wanted to relay back to you, Matt, um, in terms of like mindset. So the, a lot of this podcast is about strategy and tactics, um, but mindset's huge. Um, as a media buyer, you can have either a really awesome day or you can have a really shit day. Um, how do you combat kind of just not feeling what the ad account is saying, essentially? Dude, that is a million dollar question. And I think that someone should make it just a mindset course of how to be a media buyer. And maybe it's an own podcast or a course or a snippet or something. Cause um, I think we were, I was just talking about the other day on Twitter uh, with a few other people and it, it's so hard to disassociate yourself with work, especially in this instance, I think with media buying, cause you see dollars go in and you see dollars come out. Not every job in every career is like that. It is not as black and white. Yeah. Um, when you have a bad day, you're like, I do not know how to advertise. I am a shit human and a shit at my job. And then it spirals and it's bad. But on good days, you're like, I'm on the top of the world. I, <laughs> I can make so much money, make everyone else so much money. Um, so long answer short is that it's very hard uh, to do. But it, at the end of the day, I just try to keep reminding myself that there's so many more factors outside of my control than in my control. And as long as I'm being diligent and account holding myself accountable in terms of testing and process or just effort, because yep. uh, especially with some of these lower, smaller clients, I'm like, literally like I can't afford to spend more time on them. But like, of course I care more about client result than like how much I make per yeah, hour yeah. working on them. So, but it's like, as long as I have those things and uh, no, tracking's all working at, like, there's only so much in my control. And if I just try to like check those boxes off, then those worst days are less worse yeah. and less, less shitty. And cause then, you know, and my perspective is with, especially with being able to work on so many different accounts, it's not like I'm in-house at one account. I, I, most of the time each day is one bad, <laughs> one good, one average. And yeah. like, I have more than three clients, but like, generally that's kind of that's the, the ratio that's the day-to-day swing and so that's with almost anything like if you have a workout like out of every five workouts you're gonna have a bad one you're gonna have a great one and you're gonna have three average ones it's true like that's, that's true. just like like that's how averages work and like so um like in baseball if you if you hit the ball three out of ten times you're great i was literally just thinking yeah. about that the baseball analogy of being a 30 yeah. percent is considered to be unreal and like in terms of like media buying, if we could hit a home run on every single uh, pitch, so to speak, we would be getting paid millions of dollars from every single client. Um, so so but really to, like to add to that, like that, 
That is a really good question, Kev. Um, one thing that was really hard for me to figure out when I started is you're not going to nail it for every customer. Mm -hmm. And you start to learn like what you're good at and who you're good working with. And you, you can kind of see like when you're, if you, if it's a referral or if it's a sales pitch that's coming in and you can start to tell which ones you have a good idea that you can help out and then ones that you don't. Mm -hmm. um, but I, when I was like learning and, or taking on clients and like certain clients would fail, I was like, shit, maybe I'm not good at this. And then certain clients would do well. And then, and then you go back to that day to day. It's, it is one of the hardest, uh, things to like take your mind off of as a media buyer because you're one you're in charge of potentially a lot of money and that means like livelihood for a company and mm -hmm. the people in that company which is a really big responsibility yeah and then two when you get into bigger budgets like when you go to bed you can spend 10 grand in the next oh. two hours type of thing and it's like you don't want to wake up every day and be like, fuck, I'm, you know, I've spent a few thousand dollars and there hasn't been a result. So it's obviously there's rules and automation and a lot of stuff for this, but it's a, it's a, it's one of those things you'll learn by, you'll learn by trial and error. Okay. You'll never figure that out until you fuck it up. Yeah. So, and it like essentially kind of what you're saying is like, you'll find a, a, a niche or an industry that you'll resonate with and do really well with. Um, compared to others sure. maybe yeah that for sure but i i can so we've worked with like a, a wide variety of different types of companies from the bespoke suit companies to uh like financial companies to uh, e-com stores like everything in between and what i've just started to realize is like when a, i am evaluating a brand i can typically tell pretty quickly if they're going to have success or not if with there's us. a way i can help them more or ah, less okay. um, it doesn't mean i'm going to nail results all the time but i i can tell like this is a lost cause or this isn't so like now when i see an e-com store i can tell right away if it's going to be a shitty drop shipping product that's probably that's got no brand to it or anything it's probably not going to work um i two years ago didn't matter because everyone was like it wasn't as big you know like you yeah. could drop ship stuff people didn't realize that you could go to alibaba or aliexpress.com and buy the <laughs> same thing for 30 cents yeah, that, that revelation itself has saved my girlfriend a lot of money. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> but like in terms of kind of what you're saying for mindset, like uh, do you have like anything that you guys specifically do? Do you guys like work out? Like do you have a way to reset, hit that reset button? Or is it just like this is my list? This is, this is what I know I did and I was in control of today versus this is out of my control? Yeah, um, I am – a new meditationer so one who meditates i don't think that's the right word for it but um starting to practice meditation mm -hmm. um i used to train and compete in powerlifting until my nice. back exploded um so Sorry to hear that yeah um so still work out but just in different ways um basketball so um yeah there's so, some like physical things or activities um and just like Again, I think really for me, accepting that the bad average good mindset um, and seeing, and um, again, going back to Twitter, seeing folks like Herman, who've been doing this for a decade, mm -hmm. still feeling that and still struggling with it. And it's kind of just a reality you kind of have to accept and something yeah. that you always have to just keep, keep, keep in check and work on um, and check in with yourself throughout the day or throughout the week and as you go. Definitely, definitely. I'm going to have to try to get on some meditation or something. 
especially the quarantine. Probably, yeah, quarantine, that would probably be a good idea. It's a definitely, now is a really hard time to separate work from your yeah. regular life. But yeah. for me, similar, working out, like, not, sorry, not working out. That's a damn lie. Um, <laughs> You're golfing, activities man. in the sense of hockey. Yeah, hockey and golf. Now now that I don't really, can't really do those, is, is a little tough. So I resorted to playing games again, to be honest. Um, <laughs> like, that's the time I can just shut my brain off. But for me, going and playing hockey with the guys or going out to golf, that's kind of like my sanctuary. And there's nothing that's going to bother me out there except how I you know, perform on that, you know, playing hockey or golf that day. It's, it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with work. Um, yeah, it's hard. It, it's hard to step. I've, I've always had a hard time separating my personal life with my work life. It overlaps very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's something that I've kind of like struggled with, like, especially since quarantine started, I feel like, um, like I just wake up and I'm just literally go right to my computer and then yeah, five o'clock comes and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take a break now. Cause like for me, like I don't take, breaks like midday often like the only time i'll ever do it like gordon knows me i barely i barely ever have lunch when we're out when i'm in the office um but like i'll go out and like go for like a five minute walk and i'm like there's nothing to do right now and i'll go back to work it's just insane. that's exactly what it is there's just like nothing else to do yeah like and i yeah i just gotta figure out like maybe i'll just start going for runs or something yeah i've been doing uh walks in the morning most mornings and that helps at least um whether it's right away, sometimes I just wake up, roll out of bed and grab my laptop and I get it. So like, especially now. Yeah. And um, that mindset, like you said, of either spending your own money or your client's money, like it's your own. Or for me as a freelancer now, it's like, it's on me versus when I was working at the agency, I at least was like, eh, it's the whole team kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not just on me, but now it's on me. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. And so some days I check my accounts more often than other days because it's mm-hmm. on me. But if it's like the weekend and I'm hanging out or doing other things, like I kind of just have to accept that's one uh, downside or alternative for when we work for yourself versus working yeah. uh, at an agency, right? Or for another company. Yeah. And that yeah, was the some... other thing. Oh, go, sorry, on, go, ahead, no, go on, Gordon. Uh, no, I was going to say the other thing that is like healthy to think about sometimes is like, a day doesn't define uh, like a bad result doesn't define like how good you are at your job or um, if that client's going to leave as an mm-hmm. example um, like it averages out. Mm-hmm. So whether you have, you know, three bad days in a row, you can fix those. But like also when you're having good days, take like, let it run. Don't get in the account every, cause it goes both ways when you're like seeing a lot of money come out like you're, you're spending a lot and you're earning a lot for a client. You want to sit there even more and like make them make it earn more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Cause it like, I don't know, Matt, um, there's a method that we use quite often that, uh, I think I learned from Tim bird was, um, the surfing method. So like if things are working and the algorithms, uh, producing results, scale it throughout that day. Cause that day's good. Whereas the next day it could be bad. You get shitty buckets of people yeah. in your audience. Um, so you sit there and you're trying to like, you end up spending so much time on a good day, but same thing on a bad day. So there's times where you just need to like, all right, it's good. It's cooking. Let me take a break. It's mm-hmm. bad. Okay. Well, I'm just going to lower the spend and that's just, it is what it is today. I can't fix that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's fair. Like I, that's something that I struggle with the most. Like that's my biggest like thing of if it's a shit day, 
I take it on me. Like it's, I mean, you know why though, like clients, some clients will not, they, they micromanage us. Yeah. Right. You'll you'll hear it all day from a client. So that's frustrating, but. No, but yeah. And it's also, I don't know, for me, it's also like the, I, like I take pride in making somebody money. Like I just like, I'm competitive as fuck for anybody that listens. Um, Like when I golf, like Gord might know this. I get very irritated when I golf, if I'm not doing well. And I only started golfing like three years ago. So I shouldn't have these expectations of being really good or anything like that. But like, I'm just competitive and I'm just, that's how I am. And it's like, if I have a shit day, it affects me. And it's like, fuck, like, how am I going to rectify this? How am I going to rectify this immediately? But it's something that I have to learn. And Gord, you know, this a lot is that like, I just, if something's kind of not going my way, take a step back, look at it from an overview top level, and then just kind of meticulously go your way through it and hit every point. But yeah, um, that, yeah, that's pretty much it that I want to talk about a mindset. Um, cause I know like media buyers struggle with mindset a lot. And that's also why I wanted to bring up the podcast cause everybody deals with things differently as well. That's also why I want to start this podcast mindset. The tactics and strategies is pretty much the pillar of why we do this. Um, but I also wanted to help people that maybe if you had a shit day, maybe this podcast will help you get through it. Yeah. One more thing I'll add to that. And we kind of alluded it to it earlier. Gord was mentioning of when you're just talking to a client at first, you'll be able to know over time and I'm learning very quickly, just seven or so months in when you're talking with a client up front of expectation setting. And if they're just like, you just put in $2, you automatically get four back. Right. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> and if, if, if they aren't understanding it after an hour conversation, then, and if I don't need to take them on as a client and I'm not super pumped about their product or their margins or whatever, then I kind of turn them down or say no, or, yeah. Or put a price that's so high that it's worth my time to deal with their bullshit, to be honest, right? Like, yeah. if their expectations are, I need a four times ROAS, I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I need to spend more time to get you that. And uh, no one's ever taken that offer, luckily, and I'm not trying to screw people out of money, <laughs> but if, they, if you have high expectations, I'm going to have a high amount of time. To yeah, we're going to equally so, match that. Yeah, so uh, setting expectations and finding the right clients or brands or even business partners to work with um, also helps a lot up front to mm-hmm. do the planning and expectation setting. And that helps in the ease the process so that on bad days, I'm not getting blown up luckily by my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are great right now in terms of understanding that. So um, that's just one more thing I'll add about the mindset. Awesome. Yeah. Like that, that definitely applies, man. Like for sure. Um, and yeah, like, I think we're kind of up on the timeline. I don't want to take too much of everybody's time here. Uh, but yeah, we're going to kind of wrap things up guys, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. If you have anything that you want to plug, you have 30 seconds to plug it right now. Twitter, Instagram at Matt lady, digital, mattlady.com, uh, freelance digital marketer. I have two podcasts. One I co-host, uh, marketing jam sessions. It's, it might be out by the time that this episode is out. Okay. Um, And then my other podcast, the relatively vulnerable podcast. All right. Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. Uh, We appreciate it so much and we'll try to have you on again. This is a great conversation. Um, And Gord, do you have anything that you want to plug? No, I'm pretty good. Um, Client magnet. Like if you guys. That's what I was waiting for. I I think the biggest thing 
I've noticed right now with the whole pandemic and businesses, like, unfortunately, a lot of businesses don't have much cash flow. And um, some of them have like 30 days left type of thing, or they're, you know, they're already screwed or whatever. It's 30 days, 60 days. In times like this, you, you kind of need to double down on things. Um, whether you sit there and just wait for the cash flow to run out in 30 days, or you take that cash flow and try to, you know, market and acquire customers. That's completely a decision you have to make. But um, I've been, my dad used to be a photographer uh, entrepreneur when um, he was younger. And he said, every time a recession came around, the companies that did the best are the ones that poured all their money back into marketing. Um, hmm. So something to think about. There we go. That's how we're going to end this podcast on that bombshell. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been episode four. The next episode is going to be episode five, where it's just Gordon, myself, and Adam, the two rotating co-hosts. We're going to have a client magnet podcast, essentially. So listen in for that one, guys. Thank you again, Matt. And thank you so much. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks.